What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Crawford Talks. Jake Kaplan and Mike Meltzer here on Thursday, May 28th. The clock is ticking, Mike, on MLB 2020. Whether there's going to be a season, I don't feel like we know any better than we did a few days ago, whether there is actually going to be a season. And I don't want to say that I called it, but it looks like when I said on on Tuesday's episode that this might drag on beyond this week, uh, that looks pretty certain at this point. You want to break down where things stand as we speak here on Thursday morning? Sure. Well, I think the bottom line, Jake, is that the owners, so the owners essentially floated out really through the media the last two weeks about this idea of a 50-50 revenue split. (laughs) It became so unpopular that they didn't even propose that to the players economically. And so what they did propose earlier this week was basically a system under which, depending on how much money you make as a player, you get a certain percentage pay cut. The guys who were the lowest paid were getting about 10% haircuts or so, but the guys who were the highest paid, they were basically making like 33% of the money they were slated to make. And that's not accounting, Jake, for just... The, the differential in games from 162 to 82 games, hypothetically. That's like, hey, within the 82 games that we're trying to play, guys like Mike Trout are going to be making way less money than they would have made even with a pro-rated season. And so a lot of people, I think, t- look at, looked at that and felt like the owners are trying to divide the players. But it definitely seems, Jake, a day or two into the economic negotiation, the players are very united in being very upset with this proposal. Yeah. Um, late Wednesday? I, I, I'm struggling with my days here uh, three months into this, this quarantine. But I, I believe late Wednesday... Uh, Max Scherzer, who is one of the uh, on the union subcommittee of players, uh, executive subcommittee, there's, there's eight players on it. Uh, he tweeted a, a statement that the players essentially it said the players do not want to engage um, in the comp in any in any further compensation reductions with MLB. Um, yes, they feel that their March agreement, which agreed to prorated salaries, um, you know, which is in an 82 game season, uh, essentially a 50% pay cut um, is enough. And they don't see any justification to accept a second pay cut. And they kind of, he kind of put it on the, on the owners, on the onus on the owners to open their books. um, And maybe, maybe that would change things. I don't think they're going to do that. So probably a moot point, but um, you know, Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellick reported also late Wednesday that um, the union plans to respond by insisting players receive their full prorated salaries and also proposing a schedule that's longer than the 82 games that MLB has, uh, the number MLB has been thrown around. It's almost like, Jake, that the deal that the owners proposed was so ridiculous in the eyes of the players that their response is basically, nope, we're not even going to really counteroffer. We're just going to say, hey, let's play more games so that we can make more money. Like, they're not even really going to counteroffer. They're just going to kind of see what the owners do. Did you also take it that way? Yeah, I mean, they they are sticking to their guns that um, the March agreement you know, which was around what was like March 26th, March 27th, around when opening day would have been, um, that they agreed to the the economic stuff there, and they don't see any reason to uh, take another pay cut um, just to help out the owners. Um, and 
you know, I don't know where the, you know, which side's going to give, if either side's going to give and, and where the compromise is here. Um, you know, but, but they're running out of time if, if they, if they are to come to an agreement and, and play a, you know, and, and get started on like a, a spring training and, and eventually an, an opening day in, in July. I, I have to rant about this, Jake. I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm, I'm ready I'm, for I've your been, rant. I love your rants. I, I don't see how the the position of the owners is in any way defensible in this spot. Now, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to be fair about this. Uh, I understand that if a business loses money for a long enough period, then it's not really a viable business, and they're gonna go out of business. I get that, but by all accounts, Jake, by all accounts, and I know getting detailed financial information about Major League Baseball is not easy, but these these owners have been raking in profits for the last X amount of years, whether it's ten years, whether it's five, whether it's especially the last three years. I'm talking not revenue, profit. These guys have been raking in profits. And when that happens, it's not like they're sharing that with the players. Now, we're always told, hey, part of owning anything, anything, a house, a baseball team, a company, is you have to take the risks. Well, here you go. Usually, it's never a bad time to own a sports team, ever, except for now. Now is not a good time to own a sports team. But I'm sure moving forward in 2021, in 2022, things will get back to more of a normal. And I understand that it's a real possibility with 82 games this season, with some of these teams in smaller markets, that some of these teams can lose money. I absolutely understand that. But if the business is so bad, then sell the baseball teams. And it's been forever since a team had to sell because the owner went bankrupt because of baseball. Not a Frank McCourt situation, but like truly went bankrupt because of what was going on in Major League Baseball operations. I don't understand why the owners have the absolute right to make a profit in 2020. If I'm the players, I'm saying, listen, you guys... like. Let me put it this way. Jake, let's imagine you and I work for a business where I'll just use more, I guess, sort of relatable numbers for a business, not, you know, billions of dollars. But let's say you and I work for a business that the last three years made, I don't know, $10 million, $30 million, very relatable. and $20 million. <laughs> I mean, let's say that, like, just like, but just like a standard, like, like some kind of like medium sized business with like yeah. 30 or 50 employees, like just something like that, right? And let's say something like a pandemic hit or something along these lines. And that business owner, our boss, was going was gonna to lose like $5 million that year. I think part of my reaction, if I was forced to take a pay cut, would be, well, what about these other three years? Like you made these, you made profits that would absolutely cover this kind of loss. That, that's my rant. And and the, first of all, the 50-50 revenue split, I don't think was a was a reasonable proposal in the current climate. And I'm probably going on way too long. But this, but especially this latest proposal, that if you are, you know, if you're Mike Trout, and I think he was scheduled to make prorated like what was it 15 17 million that he'd make a maximum of like seven i think is an astounding proposal given how much money the owners have made in profit and that's not even accounting for these things like bam tech for which apparently they've made billions over the course of the last couple of years yeah you're you're right i mean the owners have made so much money in recent years um and obviously, we don't know exactly how much we see, you know, estimations, estimates from Forbes and some of these other outlets that cover it. But 
you know, we don't really know uh, until they open the books. And I think everyone is skeptical that they are in this dire situation that they claim they are in because we know how much they've made in recent years. Obviously, uh, you know, this situation is good for no one, but I agree with you that why should why shouldn't the owners take the loss? Uh, there's risk in 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 owning a business, right? And um, yes, all of a sudden now that they're going to lose money, they want the players to take the loss. Seems pretty backwards to me too. Um, at the same time, we also have to realize that both of these sides are negotiating right now, right? And um, you know, unfortunately, they don't have time on their side, and they're it seems like they're you know they're kind of treating it as if they do in a way, but um, you know, when you negotiate, you do want to start on one extreme and, and go to the other um, in normal circumstances. In this, you would probably like to see a little bit more of a meet in the middle uh, quicker, but um, we'll see if that actually happens. Well, and this is why when, when you mentioned that Jake, I kind of pull myself back and I'm like, hold on a second. Am I being too critical of the owners when, it's a public negotiation, which is another another kind of you know side to this. Why is this so public? <laughs> the last couple of weeks, it seems like each counter offer is being at, is being reported in the media in extreme detail. Whereas I think for the benefit of the negotiation, you'd be you'd be better, much better off. I think having it in private. I, I just when I when I look at this, and you can probably hear the frustration in my voice. Like we started off with the owners floating a trial balloon. Then they basically delay giving any economic proposal for about two weeks when time is of the essence. Then they give a proposal where, honestly, if you're one of these top, like, this proposal is so bad for some of these top players. Like, from the Rosenthal and Jarelic article from, uh, I think, a couple days ago, not the one Wednesday night, a $35 million player would earn a maximum of $7.84 million. This proposal, Jake, to me is so bad that you actually might put some of these guys in a position to where they're like, you know what? Financially, it's not worth it for me. I'm actually not going to play. That's how bad this latest offer is. That some guys might be financially justified saying, you know what? It actually makes no sense for me to play baseball this season monetarily. Forget about the fact that we have a pandemic going on, that this is such a bad proposal that that even that some top players just not showing up is actually on the table. That's how bad this latest deal is. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a massive pay cut for the highest paid players. Um, and those are the, often the players with the biggest voice and the most influence. Um, so, yeah, it was it was an interesting uh, strategy there uh, by MLB to, to kind of pit the players against each other. Uh, clearly did not work. Which did not work at all. Um, at all. <laughs> and and kind of wasted, what, two, three days here um, because we're, we're no closer to seeing a deal than we were – uh, when yes. we last taped a podcast, so um, yeah, I don't know how this how this goes from here. Uh, you know, obviously the players, it's their turn to make a proposal, but like, you know, if they're gonna, if both sides are gonna keep waiting a few days, you know, I understand you need days to put this stuff together. It doesn't happen overnight, but like, you know, say the players make their proposal Friday um, and the owners respond Monday or Tuesday, and then all of a sudden it's June second, and it's like, you know, at some point, like. Yeah. You're going to come to an agreement or you're not. And uh, I don't know. Well, don't you feel, Jake, uh, shouldn't they be exchanging at, like almost a proposal per day? Like they should rotate days like the owners. 
make one proposal, then the next day it's the players, and then the next day it's back to the owners. Like they, that's they need to be negotiating like in rooms, people in a room for 10, 12 hours per. By the way, it's not not realistic now, but via Zoom, you, you get the idea. That sort of thing, right? Like the, these people need to be in a virtual room 10, 12 hours a day. There needs to be proposals going back and forth, back and forth regularly. This is not a time where you're like, hey, the owners had a proposal on. Tuesday. Oh, the, the players are gonna are, they're gonna give their offer on Friday. Like what? Yeah, what? they're running out of time and here. They are running out of time. And that's kind of what I thought we envisioned that this week would be like, right? Um, yes, and it hasn't been. I, I mean, each side has has you know, there's been proposal from MLB to the players, and the players have responded um, with their uh, distaste for it. But you know, it has you know, it hasn't been like an accelerated week. And uh, it doesn't seem like, in, in my opinion. Uh, also, it's been a short week. We should mention that because it's the holiday on Monday. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like how? Like we've we've kind of uh, Lindsay Adler on our last podcast kind of said that she thought June first was like the soft artificial deadline, deadline. and that's Monday. Yep. Uh, I don't think it's actually a deadline, but um, you know, it, if you wanted to start spring training in mid June, then it kind of is. So. You know, maybe they'll push it back and and keep trying, but um, you know, it's 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 it, it seems like they're no closer than they were, you know, the last time we spoke. Yeah, I, 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 let me let me ask you this: Do you think? Because I, I I'm not just making this up. Like I, I've seen people speculate about this possibility. Like l- let's say the deal the owners proposed on Tuesday was actually somehow accepted, which it won't be. Do you think it is an insane or just not like crazy possibility that I'll localize it. Let's say one of the guys on the Astros who is older and who's made a ton of money. Like I'll go with Verlander and Granky, guys who have made a fortune. Like, is it the craziest thing in the world if they were like, you know what? I hate this deal. I've got a family. I've made over, you know, 180, 200 million dollars. I'm just going to retire. Like is that is that honestly crazy based on this finance the latest financial proposal that the owners suggested? Is that completely insane in your mind? No, I don't think so. And and we're also like we haven't touched on this yet, but like they haven't agreed to the health and safety part of it yet. And that's you know, yes. the players are the ones taking the huge the players and the coaches and and the staff that we've talked about several times are the ones taking the health risk here. The owners aren't, um, but they haven't, you know, it, it obviously it doesn't seem like that's going to, the health and safety proposal is going to be the the difference in a deal or not a deal, but it's worth noting that those two sides haven't even agreed to that part of it yet. I would have thought that that would have been done by now. So yeah, I don't think it's crazy if any player, you know, I mean, they're taking a huge risk. Um, you know, they're taking a haircut financially and then they're also, you know, it's a health risk to, to to play this season and in, in, in you know I mean we don't know what what the measures are going to ultimately be that MLB is going to take and and the the original plan was very thorough but like there's so much unknown yes. with how it's actually going to go if they do play that uh, it's risky for sure. One idea I saw thrown out there and this was Joel Sherman in the New York Post. He kind of this was kind of interesting to me, Jake. I, I like in negotiation creative, creative solutions, and I think this situation is ripe for creative solutions because they, they've got oh, after this period, they've got time to play with. They've got multiple seasons where they can make financial adjustments. 
what do you think about the idea? And I don't know if they can fix if they could fit this in, but Joel suggests the idea of what if the what if they tried to play a hundred games and the players got paid their full prorated salaries for eighty two. So essentially, they'd get compensated completely for the eighty two, but they'd basically play the other games for quote unquote free. Essentially, what do you think about that idea? Yeah, I read that. Uh, also, uh, I think Ken. And Evan had had thrown that out there as an idea that was being discussed. Um, I don't know. I don't really know what it would solve if the owners aren't willing to pay that money anyway. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't like. I think the own the owners are are saying that they're losing money because there's no fans in the stands, and you know, unless somehow fans are allowed back into the games by by September October. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just don't. I don't know. Like, if that is enough of uh, to to change what the owners are saying. Um, that I was thinking the same thing, and I was also wondering, like, yeah, it would be nice the idea of a hundred games, but like, <laughs> I mean, you just think about the, the calendar. I mean, we're talking July, August, September. So give or take, you know, thirty days in a month. That's ninety. Like, you'd have to push the season, the regular season, into what basically early to mid October. Even to try to get a hundred games in, and why? Let alone why should the players play <laughs> yeah, for ahead. free? Like I don't, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really no, I, understand that one, but I also haven't heard a ton about it yet. Uh, the one idea I have heard that makes some sense to me is like def- agreeing to deferrals, right? Like you're still getting paid at some point. You're just not getting. I agree. Your complete prorated salary this year. Maybe you get it half this year and half next year. I don't know. That I feel like deferrals seems like the most logical compromise, but. Um, maybe I'm off point there. I don't know. Jake, I agree with you about the possibility of a deferral. Here's something I was thinking about. And listen, I understand it's it's a complex management labor dispute, but just quick back of the napkin stuff. Okay, I, I understand, despite my rants a little bit earlier about the owners, and I'm frustrated by their proposals and their actions and everything. Listen, the players are probably not going to get 100% of their money prorated. I understand that because there are going to be no fans in the stands. I'm not an idiot, so I grasp that. Why not have the players paid prorated at about 70% of what they were, would normally make. Let's say put 15% into a deferral paid out over some specified amount of time, and then they take a 15% haircut. Um, I know I'm playing around and digging in other people's you know pockets, but does that not sound like a somewhat reasonable idea based on what we know right now? Honestly, I don't know because like... <laughs> It really depends on how you interpret the March agreement, right? And and we had Evan Drellick on a week or two ago, and he, he really explained that. And, you know, the players see the March agreement as their financial agreement, that they're going to get their full prorated salaries. Uh, the owners see it that they would have had, you know, the agreement called for a good faith discussion if there was no fans in the stands. Um, so, yeah, I think it depends on how you interpret that. And I don't know... Um, I don't know what's fair. I mean, it's it, it, it's it's a it's a really tough tough uh, negotiation for that reason. I think because like I don't. I, I mean, it seems like that players really think that they already did this right, and why should they do yep. do it again? Um, they already took their haircut. So, and it is a big haircut, right? I mean, you're getting fifty percent of your salary. Um, that you were that you were you were expecting to get. Obviously, you're not playing, but um, 
yeah. right now. But like, I don't know. I, I think it really depends on your viewpoint, who who you side with. Um, but I don't blame the players for for thinking that they're entitled to, you know, the terms of the March agreement, which was, you know, the prorated full salary for however many games they end up playing. Do you think that both sides, Jake, have a real conception of, hey, this is going to be a horrendous look for Major League Baseball if they are not able to put on a season because of these reasons? Like, you would think listening to the first 15 or 20 minutes of this episode right now that there's like no pandemic going on. I mean, that's what you would think, honestly. Like, we're talking about economic issues during basically a global meltdown that we're still not sure exactly how it's going to resolve itself and how quickly that's going to happen. Do these sides, the owners, the players, realize what a big opportunity it is for Major League Baseball to be the first sport back in an age where the last, I don't know, 10, 20 years, Major League Baseball has, I think certainly from a national standpoint, lost some interest? I think they have to understand that. I don't know how you couldn't, right? I mean, it's going to be, if there's no season because they can't agree on money, I think it's going to be, you know, as bad, if not worse, than the 94-95 strike um, in terms of the impact on the game. But, uh, yeah, I don't see how they couldn't understand that. At the same time, though, if if they, you know, if you agree to a deal that you're not happy with and you think impacts you negatively in years to come, you know, you stick to your guns, right? I mean, I don't. You, you're the lawyer on the podcast. What what would you advise? Say you're a lawyer for each side. Let's go through through both of them, and yes. you're thinking about both the impact if you don't play and the impact if you make a bad deal for your side. Um, what would you advise each side as a as a lawyer to do in this situation? Here's what I would do. Let's say I was on the owner side. I, I think. I, I, I believe, Jake, that if one side truly hammers another one in a negotiation, I actually don't think that's a good result in the short or long term because then it leaves the other side feeling angry and embittered. So I understand that dealing with you know 30 billionaires is not an easy spot, but if I were an attorney like for the for Major League Baseball's management, uh, whatever their equivalent of like the NFL management council is, I would basically say like, listen, we understand the economics, we understand some of you might lose money, the franchise values. I mean, they may not continue to climb up like they have been, but they certainly don't seem to be reducing in value. Like, I would try to. I would try to get a, give a genuine proposal to the players because I, I just believe that if the players, if the players from a brinksmanship, brinksmanship standpoint, Jake had to sign a deal in which Mike Trout's getting six million instead of prorated nineteen million dollars, that is going to make the next CBA negotiation uh, like I think that's going to make this look like it's you know some kind of it's it's like a minor street fight. And that will be a complete war. Uh, I think it is much better for baseball because I, I just think the most important thing, if I'm the owners, are to get the games on the field 
as soon as possible, as safely as possible. And they, I, th- I would advise them they'd be willing to take some kind of short-term loss in 2020 for the long-term good that would engender. That would be, now, I don't know if they'd listen to me, but that would be my thought. Like, I would have a proposal today, tomorrow, whenever, that's much more towards, hey, we're not going to have these tiered, massive pay cuts of players, but we would have maybe something across the board, but something that gets you much closer to the 100% of prorated salaries. Then I think you're engaged in a, in a genuine negotiation. Right now, we have two sides who are kind of stuck on like opposite sides of the table, sticking to their guns and not really moving much. Yeah. And it's against the backdrop of, you know, the well-documented history between the two sides, especially lately with... You know, all the, the recent, not last free agency season, but the two previous free agency seasons where they were, uh, owners weren't spending as much money, um, and a C- big CBA negotiation coming up after the 2021 season. So like all this stuff is, is factoring in. And yeah, it's, it's not a, they're, they're not in a great place, it seems like on, on May 28th. And neither side wants to concede first, but I think someone's going to have to if, if, if yes. there's going to be a season, um, thank you for your for your lawyerly advice. Um, I mean, hopefully, sides. hopefully that made some sense. I, I I just worry, Jake, that it's that it's a little naive for me to tell thirty billionaires who know what they're doing uh, what to do financially. But I think what I'm suggesting actually makes sense, and I think is the best thing for baseball long term. Like I think if you had baseball games in a little over a month on July fourth where we're in this complete dead zone for obvious reasons for sports, I think that would be a real boon for Major League Baseball. They would have a captive audience almost every single day for a month until the NBA comes back in Orlando. That's what they would have. Yeah, and on the flip side, if they don't come back and the NBA does and the NHL does and NFL goes on to schedule, that's that's a pretty bad look for MLB too. So, um, Yes. Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating few days. I am sure that we will be uh, delving into it again on Monday in some capacity at the very least. Uh, on the, real quick, uh, you know, while all this is going on, teams are also kind of taking their own measures to um, – deal with the pandemic. Um, you know, a lot of teams you've seen with their, their non-uniform employees, their full-time employees, either on baseball operations or business side, you've seen uh, furloughs, you've seen pay cuts. Um, the Astros have not done furloughs or pay cuts, but as of now, as we speak, they haven't guaranteed anything beyond uh, the end of next week, June 5th. Uh, so yep. stay tuned for more on that. But yeah, I mean, there's been a lot going around in baseball, especially in the AL West, where you've had some news this week with the A's and the Angels last week. Here's my take on the A's. And by the way, if, if anybody listening right now like disagrees with me, thinks I'm being being a at, moron, at I have Mike absolutely. Yeah, at Mike Meltzer. Seriously, like, like I'd love to know where I'm wrong. Tell me where I'm being naive. Like I, I, I do not mind the criticism. Here's my take on the A's. Again, similar to my last point, Jake, like I want the owner of the A's, John Fisher, to get up at a news conference. I know we're not having those anymore. Whatever. Zoom. Microsoft Teams. Like and tell me into a microphone how it makes how it makes sense. And it's not a, you know, cut off your nose to spite your face kind of move to 
not pay minor league players $400 per week for the season, which I think would cost them in between a million and a buck two. Like, how is that a long-term benefit? By the way, it's not like, this is not some like, really free market capitalist system that we like in America. This is like, hey, you're not being paid $400 a week. By the way, you cannot file for unemployment. By the way, you can't get another job in the same field. They can't just sign with another baseball team. They're just screwed. They're not getting any money. I mean, how how un-American and how ridiculous is that situation? You can't file for unemployment and you can't get another job in the same field. Think about that. Yeah, and it's affecting, what, hundreds of players in their system. Um, yes. Fortunately, they're the only team that we've seen do this, right? I mean, it, it it seems like, at least from my vantage point, that the negative backlash they got, on, you know, rightfully so, earlier this week, will dissuade team other teams from doing this, I would think slash hope. Um, we'll see, obviously. I would hope so as but, well. But, you know, so far that's been the case. But, yeah, I agree with you. I don't know. You know, it's, it's it seems just like, an, like something, a no-brainer, right? Like you would keep paying the minor leaguers. Um, but yeah, it's just strange times we live in. And then you look at the Angels who are, who are, you know, furloughing employees involved in the draft process right before the draft. So, I mean, there's not yes. a lot of logic going on in, in some of these cases. Well, yeah, I, I wanted to ask you about that. Uh, I mean, I, I understand that one, one, one point could be, well, hey, the, the scouts have mostly done their job. The reports are in. Now it's up to the, you know, the director of scouting, however the, however the angels do it. Um, but it, it seems a little eyebrow-raising that you're, you're furloughing scouts immediately before the draft. That seems a little it's odd, just, does it I not? I think it's just wrong, right? Like, the, they, the scouts' job is to, to work all year for the one date, two dates, however long the draft is in that given year. And this year, it's two days, yes. only five rounds. And, you know, they are supposed to share, in my opinion, in the the end result, the the joy of draft night. And obviously, there's no war rooms this year. But, you know, the, just getting to share in that experience of picking the players. And it's just it's just how it works, right? Um, you couldn't hold on for for yeah, two so. weeks and and let them do that, but I don't know. It, it's just you know, again, like we. Sh- I wish these owners would open the books so we could see how what kind of situation they're they're actually in, rather than just take their word for it. Which you know, I don't I don't think we should do. I agree, and, and I would like some sort of explanation from the A's owner or from Artie Marino, the owner of the Angels. Like, I would like to, to hear them explain why these are sound, logical moves. If you told me that, hey, non-uniform players are taking pay cuts for the rest of the year or they have to fire some amount of people due to money, yeah, I, I can understand that financially, conceptually. I, I get that because I'm not an idiot, but to furlough these scouts right before the draft for a team that just spent a fortune on Anthony Rendon a few months ago and a team that's had a number of big money contracts in the last you know 10 or 15 years of Artie's ownership I just don't see see how the math really adds up that that's where I'm at on it yeah no I'm, I'm in complete agreement with you um you know I guess uh want to apologize real quick for not having an episode last Thursday but Hopefully you stuck with us this week where we brought you two more. We will be back again 
on Monday, June 1st, and who knows what will happen between <laughs> now and then on the MLB, MLBPA negotiations. Jake, it will be, I think, a fascinating next uh, three to four days to see what does take place. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, we haven't had a ton of news over the weekends generally, but I think this weekend could be an exception. I agree with you. I think this is now, again, time is absolutely of the essence in this negotiation. So I would, I would be sure to be monitoring your various feeds uh, all weekend long the next couple of days to see what does take place here. So make sure you're keeping tabs on these negotiations. We'll obviously, ha we'll obviously have the latest on Monday. Hopefully, maybe they can actually reach a deal over the course of these next uh, 72 to 96 hours. He is Jay Kaplan, the Astros uh, beat writer for The Athletic. I'm Mike Meltzer. This has been the latest episode of The Crawford Talks, an Astros podcast brought to you by The Athletic. <laughs>